Uh, welcome to another episode of Trials and Meditations, a walk through spiritual culture. I am your host, uh, Damon S. Trent. The S stands for Savage. I'm reporting to you live from somewhere in the Midwest. And the underscore area today, we got a very special episode. Uh, usually I just come on with a bunch of my friends. I mean, not that she's not one of my friends, but today is a, is a special episode. We've got a, a special guest, a young lady doing big things out of the Washington, D.C. area. I'm not going to go into your history, although I know it. But um, <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to Amina S. Carter, uh, calling from D.C. Amina, are you here? Yes. Would you, yes, I'm here. I appreciate you joining us this early morning. Um, thank you for thank taking me. the time out to busy schedule. I know I know you got a lot of going on. Why don't you tell us about some of the stuff that you got going on? Oh, I mean, besides quarantine life, we're out here trying to make it do what it do. Um, but just a little bit about me. I am a peak performance strategist, a speaker and a trainer. And I work specifically with women who have had childhood trauma. And I help them position their power, align in their purpose and amplify their profits. So how am I doing that? Um, at this juncture, at this really unprecedented time in our history um, during this quarantine is really trying. I'm actually creating more of a, a different space than before. My focus has been really trying to get out, um, being boots on the ground and speaking right and right. getting in front of people, because that's really where I know that my power and my shine happens and the connections are made. However, we've all had to kind of you know, reconfigure and recalibrate the way that we're doing things. So right now, I think I've just provided more of honest dialogue um, through my social media. So right now, I'm actually ramping up to work out a virtual summit where I actually feature other powerhouse women who are working in different capacities to help people get through in different ways, showcasing, you know, um, different ways to, you know, shift your business um, to power up in your health and wellness focusing on some mental health strategies. So I want it to be kind of a, a unconference in the social media stratosphere somewhat. So that's probably my next project. Um, but in the meantime, I think I've just been showing up in my social media to offer a space for people to converse honestly and authentically about what it is that they are experiencing during this time, because it really is impacting all of us in one way or another. We all are going to have a story about how this has shifted the way in which we have to live our lives right now. And it has, but it Amina, been, though, you, you, yeah. you said a lot right there. And I, and I want to, I really want to get into that, what you're talking about, because I, I don't know if you know, but you did say a lot, right? <laughs> no, and I mean not not in a bad way, but in a good way. Like you know, we want to know more about the peak performance, and and, and specifically like sure. how you help women that have been traumatized, right? So can we talk about that for a little bit? Absolutely. What you want? What do you want to know? You have a specific question. What you need? I, I do. So so when you say peak performance, is that peak performance in one area of life or every area of the life? Or how does that work? So peak performance is really getting folks to a space. We all have special gifts, right? In, in ways in which we show up in the world um, that allow us to maximize those things that we have within us to create the life that we want. So when I'm talking about peak performance strategy, a lot of people think about sports when you think about peak performance. I'm talking about peak performance, human behavioral 
performance, wellness? How are you maximizing what it is that you have to get what it is that you want? How are you creating strategies to utilize your pains, your disappointments, all of the things that you can lean into as reasons why you can't achieve, but actually using them as stepping stools, as tools to propel you into the life that it is that you are divinely ordained to have, but that you can position yourself to receive if you um, if you create ways in which to launch yourself um, as opposed to becoming um, somewhat victimized by circumstances. So peak performance strategy in a personal development sense is what I'm speaking of. Helping women. Now do you, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, do you, now do you infuse spiritual culture uh, with your peak performance or is that separate training? So here's what I, here's the thing. I am the way the, the platform in which I have created for myself as a coach, as a strategist, is deeply rooted in spiritual culture because that's what's given to me. I don't always, and when you say, do I use spiritual culture? I absolutely do. I utilize it in, in, in terms of tapping into my own personal intuition and learning how to um, hear things that are not being said, read things that are not being spoken, and um, utilizing certain gifts to um, get to the root and heart of problems by body language, all of that is intuitive, spiritual conversation that's not necessarily had directly with the client. So I don't have to say to them, I'm using spiritual culture as one of the modalities in which I'm going to coach you. I don't have to say that. My being who it is that I am is rooted in the spiritual culture. So the answer is yes. I'm pulling from what it is that I was rooted and grounded in to be able to give uh, my clients the breakthroughs and the strategies that they need without necessarily spooking them out because everybody's belief systems are different. So I don't want to say, hey, you know, I'm reading this or I'm, you know, intuited that because sometimes that language can be off-putting. So you, I understand that oh, it is an integral part of my foundation. Absolutely. So let's talk about your foundation because obviously this podcast is about uh, spiritual culture and how we grew up. So talk to the people about where you grew up. <laughs> so um, my foundation as a young child by way of uh, my mama and my daddy, who were both uh, members of the Osiraset Society, was my first um, introduction to spiritual culture. It was the community that um, most and of my uh, most of my family and friends are are a part of or I will say comrades in which I grew up, because I think what happens too is that, you know, <clears throat> our families are big. We, we, my family, my specific family, you know, growing up in the, in Osiraset, in the community, we, um, the extended family was a very important part of um, communal living for us. And so um, I have people far and wide who I can connect to, who have a unique understanding of my come from, which is very helpful. Um, and so then, you know, as I grew up and got older, my exposure to other um, spiritual culture and traditional um, religious beliefs expanded from, you know, Yoruba houses to the Akan. I've been um, actively participating. I mean, I have been an active participant in different um, spiritual houses and systems 
um, throughout my life as I got older, as I moved into my teenage years, into adulthood. Um, And at this juncture, I am not one who claims a specific um, religious belief. I definitely operate in a space of spirituality and use the principles that I've been given and rooted in um, that serve me, you know, because everything may not work for everyone. And we just have to be real about what it is and how we can use the principles um, to be able to propel us into our um, our greatness. And so absolutely. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that you had a big family, right? So yes. uh, you said that initially um, you grew up in the sales society. Yes. As, as did I. Um, yes. And so if I, if I was to talk about my time in the society, I would say that my name was Kemwamendaku Walters. Would you agree <laughs> to that? Yes, I would agree to that. Okay. So uh, do you have another name that you go by? And if so, would you like to share that with us? Sure. My comedic name, given name by my father um, is Seketamut Hinseketet. And the name... Um, means one who is destroyer of obstructions to bring the high and low together to bring peace and harmony and equilibrium. And I think that what's really that's interesting. Dope. Oh, you didn't think that was dope? That's not what you, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I absolutely think it's dope. But what I think more interesting about it is um, the role and the, 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 the person that I, the woman that I have grown into and the woman that I'm continued to blossom into um, is doing that exact work. So the spaces that I show up in really trying to bridge gaps and create continuity and balance and peace. Interesting also, my get my birth name is Amina Salama Carter, also given to me by my father. But Amina means peace and love. There is a lot of peace and harmony and love and balance that surrounds me in both of my names. And so it's a constant... Um, kind of a, a, a lighthouse for me to always keep me in direction and in line with what it is that I'm kind of destined to do and to really be true to my name. But it's not even me seeking out the opportunities to do it. They absolutely come on their own, you know? That's, and that's so it's just, that is... That's good stuff. Your mother is a part of the society, right? She is. Now, personally... Right. And this, this is the, the benefits of having a podcast. I, I get to put my opinion in sometime. Yes. Right? I know your mother. Right. I, I happen to, to like your mother an extreme amount. Um, yes. <laughs> but I, I could be biased, though. Why don't you talk about who your mother is, though? <laughs> so in the society, my mother is um, an initiated priest who um, is based in Washington, D.C. And um has been initiated priest in the Osiris Society since I was very young. Um, I was pretty much born into the community. I know they were taking classes when I was born. And then, you know, the society was probably two years old when I was born. By the time I was born, it was already two years or so in existence. Um, And so, yeah, my mother, you know, is a native New Yorker. She moved to Washington, D.C. when I was five years old. And um, you know, became a part of a family that really expanded and created a community um, for me by way of family. Um, that has been, you know, a real um, wonderful, you know, challenging learning 
rewarding um, experience. You know, um, everything serves to further as long as we position it that way, you know. Um, and so, you know, it was not the most common uh, construct of a, fam- a family um, as we see it in traditional Western culture. However, I wouldn't trade the way in which we were raised big family um, community um, in that way. I do. So you jump in the gun. So that was that's. I'm glad that you mentioned that you wouldn't change the way that you was raised because that, that's, that's like one of the questions I was definitely going to ask you. Right. Okay. Yeah. But let's just jump right into it. Okay. All right. Yeah. So because you was raised like I was raised. Yes. Because I happen to know that. Yes. Because I, what I'm going to also tell the listeners is that I, I, I do believe that I can say this. I spent a lot of time in your house. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that's good or bad. Well, that remains to be seen. Right. But so that I'm going to say that I, I didn't know how you were raised. Right. right. So in D.C., it was a little different than it was in New York. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so in New York, we had to go to the, the the society school. Right. Did you guys have that same experience in D.C.? Uh, we did have uh, Osiris set school up until a certain grade. So um, okay. I first moved here, there was not a school. So I went to Ujamaa, which is also was a traditional, was an African parochial school. Um, and after that, Atsubamasut, which was the Osiris set school, was started. So then I went to Atsubama Suit, but at that time it only went up to eighth grade, at which time I went back to Ujamaa and graduated. So nice. um, that's kind of how that went. There was definitely a community. So when you went, when you went back to Ujamaa, right? You said that was at, in your ninth grade year. Is, yeah. Am I following you correctly? Yes. And, and, you, and you stayed at Ujamaa through your high school? I did. All right. So. So I don't know if it sounds like you had a big adjustment because you started at Ujima, then you returned to Ujima. Did you still have friends when you went back there? Absolutely, because I'm through, I mean, because the African conscious or religious spiritualist community, Pan-African diasporic community, right, in Washington, D.C. is very small. So all of the the uh, parochial schools here in Washington, D.C. was Ujima. There was Watoto, which was also known as Nation House. There was Roots Activity Learning Center. Um, and those were the three main African parochial schools. All of our events, we got together, Kwanzaa celebrations, all of the schools came together. So I maintained community with all of the people who are still my friends today um, nice. uh, from Ujima. So yes, um, absolutely. That's dope. That's dope. So listen. Did you go to college? I did. I went to Montclair State University in, in Montclair. In Jersey? In Jersey, yes. Nice. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about there when you went to college. Mm-hmm. Or did any of your friends from Ujima go to Montclair State with Absolutely you? not. Or did no one went to Absolutely Montclair. Absolutely not. <laughs> perfect, no perfect. one went to Montclair so, State but me. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was pretty far from, most of your friends probably went to Howard then, huh? I don't know. No. I'm just, Actually, I'm assuming. they didn't. Um, mm, no, a lot of people went away different places. So, um, Atlanta from Spelman to, I mean, they went to a lot of different places that folks went to Bennett. I had folks who went to, um, uh, okay, but let's not talk about the folks. I want, I want to talk about specifically you. 
if that's okay. Because I don't, I don't know those folks. So I, I might know them, but I, I don't have them on the podcast at the moment. So we're going to get in, in your business. as it Facts, facts. All right. So when you went to Montclair State, uh-huh. right, yes. uh, was it a big adjustment for you no longer being associated with people that were in spiritual culture? Absolutely and if not. so, how did you oh, and how did you adjust to that? So the first answer to the question is there was absolutely no adjustment for me. The reason why was because different than a lot of people, maybe in the community, I was a person who was very expansive socially. So all of my friends were not community people. Gotcha. And so as a result of that, I maintained relationships with people on different walks of my life as a teenager. I danced um, with the African dance company that was not related to Osara Set. I have friends that I gained from there. Those people went to public schools. They had different sets of friends and environments and I partied with them and went to their homes. So they became a part of the fabric of my life as well that that helped propel me outside of communal relationships. So going to college was an easy transition um, for me because I was already socializing outside of the community. There was no issue in terms of kind of a culture shock in terms of dealing with, you know, things that were not community based. That's what's up. That's what's up. So because I know it's, it's, it's almost not fair, but <laughs> <laughs> you got a lot of brothers and sisters, right? I do. You do. So of, of all your brothers and sisters, would you say they had an, an experience similar to yours? Or would you say that your experience was unique in that you have friends that were outside of the society and in all walks of life? I will say that my older siblings, those of us on the top part of the group. So there are 12 of <laughs> us total. Right. And the older uh, group of us, which are one, two, three, four, five, six, about six of us who were not who and and interestingly enough who kind of came into the household who had other parents that were not exclusively in Osiraset or born into the household right so those of us really maintained a lot of ex- relationships that were not um rooted in the community what i will say for my younger um siblings is that for a very long time their relationships are very tied to the community um, until they went to college, right? So they did expand. So I think their experiences and speaking to them may be a little bit different, but they also had outside experiences that we didn't have growing up too. You know, know, Kenwa, I consider us to be the guinea pig kids of AAS. Definitely, without question. And so we didn't, they weren't taking us to Africa we didn't have soccer games and 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 all of these otherworldly things. Everything we did was our day going getaway was at the retreat in the summer. So um, that was okay. our we're gonna, day. We're definitely going to talk about the retreat, right? Okay. <laughs> but I want to tell a story right quickly, right? Because you're absolutely right. We never went to Africa, right? Right. Uh, here's my mother in Africa. This is yes. this is maybe twenty years ago. My mother's in Africa, maybe even more than 20 years, 25 years ago. My mother's in Africa, someplace, chilling, and two little kids come up to her. Right? Yeah. They're like, hey, Musa, say how you doing today? Everything is good. Where's Kenwa? These two little kids' names are Sakira Cook and Sidetear Cook. 
right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Because you know, you know how young they had to be 25 years ago. Right. To be in Africa. So that's just adds to the point that we didn't, we didn't I, I grew up in New York City. Yeah. I, I probably didn't ride the train by myself <laughs> till I was 15 or 16. You know right. how crazy that is? Everybody rides the train in New York City, but I digress. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting because here in DC, I definitely had to get around young. We were definitely on trains and buses. And I was probably on the train and the bus by nine or ten. Oh wow! So my, you know, I was I was interesting that I was that young and you know I was really skittish about my son being on public transportation because that boy would lose his head if it wasn't attached to his neck. But um, now, now when we started riding public transportation, I was not good at it at all. Like, um, right? You know, but Sonny Moore is one of my best friends and. We used to always get in trouble on mass transit. Some, I'm not going to put right. his business out there, but we were always getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like we all right. end up someplace we was not supposed to be, at all. Like, right. how y'all end up over there? But right. anyway, so you- yes. Now I don't know about you, but personally, that was like one of the best times of my life. Like, <clears throat> I, like I look forward to going to the retreats every year. Right. Um, I would say in that, during that season of my life, it was absolutely a highlight for me. Absolutely. I looked forward to seeing my friends that I didn't get to see throughout the year, or if, unless it was a a specific spirit, you know, event in New York, a King's Day, or, you know, something that was going on, I didn't get to see you all regularly. So it was really good to have uninterrupted time where we could roam the land free and do and be what it is that we wanted to be as children, which was just like all over the place. Was so like all over the, the place. Yeah. It was the gift of, of freedom that, um, you know, to a certain degree at this stage of my life, I actually wish our kids had it, you know, talk about it. Um, I, I really, you know, I do in a, in a structured sense, I would change a few things, but, um, I think that it served us, you know, nothing comes in perfection, right? So, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, the, the platform provided a space for us to convene, um, as a collective and strengthened and deepened relationships that spanned for all of our lives, right? We're still here some 40 something years later. So, I don't think that, like, I don't think you put enough emphasis on it, right? Because, okay, like, what you're talking about is something that doesn't happen, right? Because, like, I, I talk to people about it, and they'd be like, yo, you still know people that you went to junior high school with? And I have to correct right. them. I'd be like, no, I know people that I was five years old with. Stop, right? right? Stop, stop. Right. It's, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal because you see how we're conversing now. Yep. One thing I saw you last week. Or, right. or it would sound as though we've been in contact with each other regularly. Right. And we haven't. Right. But it's because and and, and I, I really appreciate it more now than I did when I was younger. But I Oh, I think we all do. <laughs> so this is something that we talk about 
one of the dopest things that could ever have happened happened a few years ago. And and so on my thing, I I don't put out names. I don't really speak about people. Right. right? I, just, I just talk about it in a general sense. Right. And so one of the dopest things that happened was a union between yep. New York and D.C., right? Right. I think that was super dope. So we talk about how it would have been different had there been more unions uh-huh. between, between us in general. Uh-huh. Can you talk about how you feel about that? More unions? Tell me what you mean. More more opportunities to gather and convene or? No, I mean, like, if, if more of us would have got with us, as opposed to us now having children with people that aren't from us, right? Oh, yeah. And like, I, I don't know how your life is. And but I do know how some of my friends' lives are in my life, right? right. And right. so I, I surmise that it would have been totally different had we yeah, got together I, with each other. Yeah, I just the way that we were raised, no, it it never. It's it's always been a no for me, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm listening to you because I think one. Now let's just. Okay, let's call it spade a spade. Maybe younger, and we had like little crushes, and that because we were our own community, and that's right. what we knew. I think when it became a little bit more expansive, the the world opened up in a different way. Now, what would I say now? To a certain degree, I understand the dynamics that will make it a really um, conducive, harmonious type of better relationships for us based off of our teachings and understandings and what we are rooted in. Right. Um, that part, I absolutely would love to have in a mate, in a, in a you know, um, in a co-parent even. Um, but I also see where there are relationships that have spanned over a course of a period, periods and periods of time that for me qualify them somewhat as familial so it does not feel sometimes that especially relationships the ones especially for example for you yeah that shit is out oh could i curse sorry listen you can say whatever you want to say okay you can say I, whatever. Didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know that that's, that's a welcoming addition to the show thank you i didn't know i'm, a, I'm a, i definitely am a person who utilizes profanity on occasion so um but and I say that because you're like a brother. So, no, listen, this is this is what I'm saying. See, so you're making it personal about me and you. No, I right? only used you because you were here. I'm not right. focusing it that and, way. Like from the, from the community, like if you really think about it, it's a lot of us. Yeah, and none right? of and, and, none of none of whom have ever struck me as someone that I would want to engage. And that's the honest to God's truth. That, and, that, and that's that's dope, right? And so I don't want to change your opinion. That's what's up. I, I was just asking the question. No, I got you. Damn. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I forgot what I was about to say next. I had a follow-up question. <laughs> but, you know, it don't, it don't work out. So so now that you're an adult, yes. right? So we, do you do you have any vices, right? Because I'm sure we all have vices, like, like cursing. I'm sure you don't want to curse around your children. Mm. Do you have children? I have a son, and a he son? knows that I curse because he hears me. I... I believe in being who it is that I am. I don't, honestly, I don't hide that self, that part of myself from him. Um, 
You be cursing people out in front of him? That's what you're telling me? I don't curse people out in front of him. I just use profanity. Got you. So, not cursing your son? He's 13. Oh, he's a young man. He is. He is. And do I sometimes kind of like, uh, you know, uh, maybe I should pull back a little bit, but it has just become an integral part somewhat of what it is that I do. But I also see the pros and the cons. But I think just like you said, we all have parts of ourselves that, you know, we could probably make some adjustments to. Um, some things were born out of certain places of need or habit or whatever. Right. So. Right. Um, vices, yes, one of them is definitely profanity. And that's something that, you know, growing up, well, that's not true because my dad cursed. So, <laughs> uh, that, that I'm sure of. Like... <laughs> and, but he was not profane for the, like, he, he used a specific, very specific, constant word that he used. And it's actually not one of my, Go tos. Right, really I gotta know. I gotta know. It's <laughs> asshole. I remember it was it was driving. He would always get animated in the car. And I'm a person who's also animated in the car, but my profane words are much different than his were when I was a child. So that's what's up. Let's, let's, let's hear it for asshole. The word asshole. Everybody, let's just say it one time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so your son, right? Obviously, he lives yeah. in D.C. Um, does he know your father? Like, do yeah. they spend time together and stuff like that? Because where's your father? Yeah. I thought he's still in Jersey or something like that, right? He is. That's what's up. Yeah, he is still there. That's what's up. That's what's up. That's what's up. So we, we're going to wrap this up here. I appreciate you uh, spending some time because we could probably go on for another hour that, that I can guarantee. I'm sure we could, absolutely. Right. Because um, I, I, I don't really want this to because I, I, I don't really want this to be about bad experiences And because yesterday or the other day when we were talking a lot of stuff was just coming up. Uh-huh. Right? And that's not what I want this to be about. I want this to be about people that also growing up uh, differently I guess, than, than, than the norm, right? Because, like, when I was growing up, this is this is to this day, but he's still my friend, though. I don't know how that right. happens. But the, uh, one day, my mom has made a suit for me and some African print, and uh-huh. this nigga clowned me all the way up and down the block. Luckily, I was the, the first house on the block, so I could just skate off the block. But right. he had more jokes than a little bit about my suit. And, it, and you know, <laughs> it just wasn't comfortable feeling because you know what I'm saying I'm not doing a normal thing. And yeah. Looking back at it now it was dope. Right? But then yeah. I, I didn't know how to handle it. And so that's what I want this show to be about helping people that's having a hard time dealing with, you know, being different or whatever. That's right. I don't know if I'm making sense, but you know, I just like chopping it yeah. up with you. You do. You're making a lot of sense. And I am the conversation is definitely was a good one. And um kind of strolling down and navigating our journeys to today from, you know, <laughs> from where... To go, though, this is one thing I, I do have to do. I have to get some juice, some dirt from back in the days right now. That's oh. that's, that's going to be my thing every time I, I get a guest. I'm going to have to have something that I didn't know. Okay. Uh, like something like, uh, I don't know what you want to tell me. 
And so this is what we'll do. I'll share something as well. Okay. All right. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> You're so special. I am. I am. I, I got. A, I got a lot of stuff to share. It's. It's just not. I don't know how embarrassing it is gonna. I want to be. All right. So here's the thing. Let me see. What can I say? I don't know what what I can say. Oh man. No, nah, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> we're just gonna edit this whole part out. This show. Okay. That's <laughs> cool. Because I don't know if I'm ready for that. I don't. I don't know if I'm ready for that. Okay. Well, tell you this. this is what I can tell you. This is. I, I will share this with you. This is one of my best times in D.C. when I was hanging out with your brother. Right. I should say this for when I have him on the show, but I'm probably not gonna have him on the show anyway. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we went to because you know your brothers used to be into the kung fu and all of that stuff right and we went to this this tournament it was me Sonny Mu and Otawada and Charles Ra and we go into the tournament and Sonny Mu is hype he's like yo I'm about to do my thing do 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 I'm hype because I never seen my man do his thing so we go inside right. of the thing he's like alright Anwar you're going to be over here back into the ring and stuff he puts on his gear and everything. It's like, all right, go ahead and fight. So it was like, they were sparring with each other, right? Then they mm-hmm. said, all right, fight. And so the, the little kid, he did a And Sonny Mo did this some crazy kick the nigga right in the head, right? And my man oh, fell like a tree log, like, bang, right on the map. On the map, right? I'm hype. Like, oh, shit. Did you just see this nigga get knocked out, right? Right. Sonny Moo is standing there like, yo, what do I do now, right? The is all like, yo, what, what? Long story short, they end up suspending or disqualifying Sonny Moo for the tournament, man. Oh, I didn't even. Wow. That's a funny story. I remember going to those... um, those tournaments, but I don't recall that specific story. That's hilarious. Kim, why are you there? I can't hear you anymore, Kim. Amina. Yes. Yeah, that was. I got a phone call. Can you believe that? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! So we're not even going to do your secret. We're just going to edit that whole part out of the the show. I'm, I'm going to work on the ending to the show. And I might call you back okay. and have you tell us something, but I don't know. But that was crazy. Okay. All right. I appreciate you though. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for having. All right. Me. Thanks, Amina. Peace. All right. Take care. What a Sardi Moo is a wild boy, man. That boy, Yo, that boy, man. Yo, that's that's my guy, man. Shout out to Sonny Moon, man. But shout out to Amina, man. That was a yeah, that was a dope yeah. conversation we had, man. Absolutely, absolutely. We want to definitely thank Amina for stopping by the program. You know, chop it up with us. I'll be back chop next week. You know what I mean? I had to, you know, go to outer space for a little while. So you know, I'll be back next week. And we that, that's what's up. That's what's up. Say so. Maybe we we'll do something in the middle of the week too. Get, have some giveaways. Start doing something like that. Yeah. But, uh, stay tuned, though. 
All right, we'll see you next week. All right. No doubt, buddy. All right, stay up. Peace.